government. They're policy agreements that can be deviated from or broken at any time. So if they want to spy on a British citizen, they can spy on a British citizen. And then they can even share that data with the British government that is itself forbidden from spying on UK citizens. So there is a sort of a trading dynamic there, but it's not, uh, it's not open. It's more of a nudge and a wink. And beyond that, the key is to remember that the surveillance and the abuse doesn't occur when people look at the data. It occurs when people gather the data in the first place. How narrow is the cooperation of the German Secret Service BND with the NSA and the Five Eyes? I would describe it as intimate. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first way I described it in a written interview was that uh, the German services and the US services are in bed together. They not only share uh, information, the reporting that results from intelligence, but they actually share the tools and the infrastructure. They work together against joint targets um, and services. And there's a lot of danger in this. Uh, one of the major uh, programs that, that faces abuse in the National Security Agency is what's called X-Key Score.
Albuquerque back in 1980, I actually felt a little bit less pressure because Albuquerque was so kind of the sleepy town where there is a kind of live and let live ethic. So like the first month I was at Del Norte High School, I'm in the cafeteria and this young butch Chicana comes up to me and says, don't I know you? Do you play softball? I said, well, no, but I go to a lot of softball games. 
it was some junior high school girls at my high school that said, okay, this is what you do. You suck in the air. This is wherever you are. If you're, you know, at the store, the fair, whatever, just do this whistle. And then people start whistling back. You just kind of gravitate toward the whistle. And if you know each other, you sat and talked. And if you did it, you just said, hey, and kept moving. <laughs> the Whistle is a story, a documentary about a group of young lesbians uh, or dykes who came out in the 70s and 80s in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They didn't all know each other, but they had a way of finding each other. Understandably, when I first started working on this project, some women were like, hey, who is this guy making a film about us? Growing up and coming out as a young dyke in Albuquerque in the 80s is a huge part of who I am. I needed to transition, and I identify as a trans man now. But it means so much to me to tell this story of where I came from. You know, I just remember someone saying, you know, do you hear that? Someone in here is gay. And then, like, if you want to check, just do this whistle. And, and if they respond, then you, you know, if someone looks up or looks at you, then you know. It's a high-pitched sound. It's really hard to learn. So there's all these great things about it that kind of made it a rite of passage just to, to be able to learn it. Can you just try this? No. No, okay. Okay. See nothing. You do it. There you go. <laughs> you thought that was a chorus. That's the whistle. My dogs respond to it, actually. I've trained them to respond to it. Um, for some reason in Albuquerque at that time, there were so many young dykes. I don't know what it was about Albuquerque. This is a landlocked place. In our high school that, you know, the jocks had this wall, whoever had that wall, the stoners had this wall, well, we had our own wall. So at any given period in between classes or for lunch, you know, there'd be 20 lesbians just hanging out right there. Everybody else would call it the dyke wall. We just called it our wall. It wasn't just the whistle, but it was that culture. It was that community of people who knew how to find each other. We were getting bullied at school, so it wasn't easy. It wasn't like we were walking around school with like rainbow flags or whatever. We were getting a lot of crap from a lot of people. There was some guys our junior year that were being really confrontational. And there was a point where I remember we were surrounded. It was really pretty scary because we really didn't know what was going to happen. I knew I had all these feelings, but I had so much conflict. And so I actually went to confession and the priest told me pretty much not to worry about it, that this is a phase. And I said, Mom, I'm gay. I remember she hit the wall like a thud, hit it like my words had just knocked her backwards. My mom insisted that I go to counseling. Uh, I think it's just pretty fortunate that I, we found, she found a counselor that was willing to um, sort of take my side and say, you're the one with the problem, she's not. The therapy didn't work, the church didn't work, I was still the same. So she kind of held out, I think, and just wouldn't let me out. I was grounded um, pretty much in house arrest until um, December came along and she told me that it was time for me to pack up and leave. I was officially 18 now, and said never to talk to my siblings ever again or to any of my family members. Most of our support was from each other. It wasn't from family, it wasn't from adults. It was from each other. 
People do pave the way in different, different ways for different things. The generation, I'd say five years before me, were, were taking heat, you know what I mean, and being discriminated, and we're in danger. When I was like 15 and I came out and I started learning about the whistle, I was always just like, who started this? Who started this? This is so cool. And nobody knew. I have no idea where the whistle came from. <laughs> well, and so many different groups of lesbians would hang out together from other schools that you just, I mean, I seriously don't know that it would be that easy to teach. Test, 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 test. Because yeah. we were always test. together in as we interview folks and as I meet more folks who were out during that time, my hope is to get closer to the origin of the whistle, who, who started the whistle. I'm pretty sure it originated in the... She washes me and sings to me Cucaracha Almost every night my life. She sings to me the French version of Frere Jacques, but forgets to teach me how to sing to her. Wash this brown out of us, it's the only way we'll make it. If you say it's cause you're lazy, you lie. Thank you for a better life I don't mean to be ungrateful You took us from the valley You tried You could have dumped us in the river Crying all the time You could have been a legend Instead you went inside Déjame sola Como moleste I am tired of your resting Some say Apache Some say Comanche No me recuerdo Déjame Could have been a martyr Dying and in pain Could have made you holy Instead I gave you shame Wash this brown out of us It's the only way we'll make it if you say it's for the better, you deny Thank you for the lessons I don't guess I'd change a moment I don't blame you, but I wish that you'd have Ungrateful, 
You took us from the valley You tried Washes me and sings to me Cucaracha Almost every night of my life your life like everything's normal and everything's right and it doesn't matter if it's dark or light and everything doesn't get quiet at night afraid to remember afraid to forget you think there's a wrong way or a right way to feel it Leave your heart open, but you think you might spill it. Cause then I've been there before. It's hard to imagine there's anything else or anything more. Do this for you, do I do it for me? I suppose you're a mirror and I guess I will see All that lies underneath All the lies I This hell's not forever, yes I'm sure it will end They say it's eternal, but they say that in fear If they said it in love, would it all disappear? Cause then I've been there before I said it in love, then I laughed at my 
myself till I cried to my core. And I'm here to tell you there's more. So you do what you will, honey. Please understand that the water was froze, but the river still ran. So open your heart when you can I know you'll open your heart when you Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. I'm joined here by Storm Miguel Flores. Storm Miguel, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Roman. Yeah. Um, so we heard some of your music as well as the trailer from The Whistle um, earlier on in the show, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, as many folks are as well. Thanks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to talk about... We can open up in any way you'd like, uh, talking about yourself, um, the film, um, your music, whichever oh my gosh. you feel. There's, there's, where do we start? Yeah, there's so much. Well, like I said, since we started talking about the film, I could talk about the film. Um, so The Whistle is a documentary that is um, covering the story of lesbians, um, also then identified as dykes, mm -hmm. who came out as youth in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and, and it's called The Whistle, and the reason it's called The Whistle is because they shared kind of the secret code that um, helped them find each other mm -hmm. and helped them kind of communicate with each other without having to really out themselves to other people. Yeah. Um, and I say they, but um, I was also part of that at that time. I was identified as a dyke, um, transgender. So, um, But I, at that point, I came out as a, as a young lesbian, and um, that was my community. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And so, um, even then, I thought it was really cool. Like, we had this whistle to find each other. And, yeah. Um, when I look back now, I realize, like, there were a lot of us. Yeah. There really were a lot of us. There was something going on in Albuquerque at that time. Um, there were, like, seven bars that were, like, gay or lesbian. Oh, wow. Um, at that time in Albuquerque. So, that was, like, I came out in 1987. Mm -hmm. and, um, and there were, like... I think about seven different high schools as well. And there were just like pods of like, like groups of lesbians in every high school. Um, and it was kind of like groups that had graduated from the, those high schools and groups that were still at high school. And like all these folks would party together. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were so many of us that we didn't all know each other, but we, at the same time, everybody knew each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so the whistle kind of, could kind of like, if you'd be walking down the street or at a mall or something and you'd see, somebody that had a mullet, some girl that had a mullet, <laughs> and you would do the dyke whistle. Yeah. And they would look up thinking it's their friends. And, um, so cool. and then you kind of give them the nod. Oh. And, uh, or, you know, I'd be walking around and I'd hear the whistle. They yeah. Get, they get my friends sometimes. When I would turn around, it would yeah. be my friends. Yeah. And sometimes it would just be a little group, a group of girls with mullets and give me the nod, you know? And um, it was a really great way to uh, connect with folks and, and to 
feel seen and and just like kind of communicate and feel not so alone um but they're really as, as you know you hear all these stories of people coming out and it seeming so lonely yeah um it was scary for sure because yeah. like in the 70s and 80s there wasn't a lot of there was really wasn't any media representation that yeah. was good um and there weren't reference points really for the adults in our lives to understand yeah so it was it was really tough but we we had a, a lot of support in each other that's great that sounds like so nice too, just to, to visualize that. Now I feel it's weird because there's that sense that like progress has been made in a way. However, people still don't really interact very much or everything's done or so much is done online mm-hmm. where there still seems to be like this disconnect in a way, like when you're in person or you're walking around, I mean, the idea of cruising, it's very limited. It just doesn't feel, I mean, I don't know what it, I can kind of, I mean, I was, I was in high school in the nineties. Uh-huh. So I think there was still, it was like before tech kind of came about. Sure. Um, but, but it seems like, I mean, I think it's really important for folks of this generation and the next generations to understand, you know, where history came from. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important. And also it was pre-internet, but it was also like, we were just about to get, um, like gay straight alliances in schools. Mm -hmm. Um, P flag was, it it did exist in the eighties, but it was not really well known. You know, the only way time you would come across P flag was, at a, I don't know, like at a, a gay pride march, which mm-hmm. like in Albuquerque, it was really tiny at that time. Mm-hmm. And there really wasn't places for your parents to do any research. Like nowadays, parents can just go online, mm-hmm. figure out what to do about their, you know, about their feelings around their gay kid. Yes, <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, but uh, I remember like giving my mom a book. Um, it was called Now That You Know. Okay. And she just, she didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to mm. read it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if she ever did read it. She never talked to me about it. But there was just no, there were no resources. And so a lot of people I knew, a lot of kids I knew were being kicked out of their houses um, and not graduating high school. Yeah. Um, just because they were trying to survive because they weren't able to stay home because they were queer. Yeah. Which is the case today. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've heard statistics of how like 40% of youth on the streets are LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's and that's even just what we know of our folks who identify Absolutely. that way. It's, uh, I mean, it's so heartbreaking just to see how things haven't changed in, in some mm-hmm. ways. And I, I really wish folks would, would recognize that, that yeah. even before this previous election, things were pretty dire for a lot of people. Absolutely. <sighs> So this movie, I, I just I'm I'm excited about kind of preserving this piece of history because another thing about this group of people at this particular time in this region, um, there's no representation. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no archives. Yeah. That, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about archives and um, talking about it a lot with my partner Annalise, mm-hmm. um, who directed Major. Yeah, which and, is an awesome film that everyone should see. <laughs> thank you. Major is about Miss Major Griffin yeah. Gracie, who is you know one of the mothers of the trans movement. Yeah. Um, and while while we were filming that, one of the things that um, was true was that there weren't there wasn't there weren't a lot of photographs. We had to do illustration because there mm-hmm. wasn't actual. Um, Archives. There weren't actual like um, relics of the time um, when she was at Stonewall, yeah, um, or when she around the time when she was in Attica, um, you know, around that time, like near that time. Um, you know, we talk about in, in the film. She talks about how her sister burnt all the pictures of her, mm. and 
Annalise was kind of noticing like, wow, okay, so like who has access to archives? Who has, who has, who do we, when we have archives, even in the, in the queer, you know, community, who has it? It's usually white gay men. Who has the means, who has the stability mm-hmm. to actually keep those things mm-hmm. um, and to keep the photographs and to keep the flyers and to keep the newspaper clippings? Mm-hmm. Um, who's staying, you know, who's, who has stability when, even when they're staying in one place or when they're moving? Yeah. Um, and not just kind of like trying to survive. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about that while making this. And I looked through some archives um, at the University of New Mexico um, and really found a lot of like white gay men and also older white lesbians. Mm -hmm. That's where all the archives were. Mm. That's where all the um, information was. (sighs) And so to me, it's very exciting to actually go and and be looking through people's like scrapbooks with them because a lot of these folks keep scra- kept scrapbooks oh, yeah. with people I'm interviewing for this for the film mm-hmm. um, who were out at that time. Yeah. Not, the people I'm interviewing were people who were um, who are about my age or older, mm-hmm. who are um, are or were um, dyke identified mm-hmm. um, youth in the in seventies and eighties. Wow, oh, that sounds like very much very healing and even cathartic, perhaps too, just to be able to like. I think that's a great part about art. Sometimes is that there's also that part, that healing part of like healing oneself and one's community. It feels that way, yeah. 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 Oh, I'm just oh, like I'm always excited when I see documentaries or read books about what what came before, and especially like places that I've lived too, just yeah. to be like, oh, this is what this used to be. And in the Bay Area, of course, it's mm-hmm. kind of like there's so many places that used to be. Like whether it's like bars or bathhouses or right. or clubs or or whatnot, certainly. Yeah. So just to have um, actual you know factual evidence that you know these places existed and people lived there is is really uh, must feel very gratifying. It is. It's interesting because like going back to Albuquerque, there's maybe one bar that still exists mm. that existed then. Yeah, um, one gay bar. Um, and like I said, there were about seven at any oh, wow. given time back then. Um, so one of the things is I'm going to be going back to shoot some B-roll and I want to shoot the places, like film the places where the bars were. Yeah. One of them is like a strip mall church, like an oh. evangelical oh. or Pentecostal church. One of them is like a restaurant now. One of them is a straight bar. Oh. Um yeah, there's there's a there's a different things, um, but kind of talking about that healing um, experience, like interviewing folks has been amazing. Mm-hmm. There's one woman that I got to interview who I met just through this process um, because I was putting it out on Facebook. I put my, my initial trailer was just kind of me talking and a couple phone interviews, so it was like kind of the sound was a little shoddy, um, and but it was mostly me and and I was at least just I just wanted to get a little something out there so that people could know what this project was about and yeah. maybe then that would kind of get their pique their interest about wanting to be involved because initially I put a call out and not a lot of people were interested so I made a short kind of trailer or you know real um talking about the project and that's when people started coming forward like oh my god the whistle yeah no I totally I want to I'm totally interested in this and so I was reaching out I'd love to talk to you um there's one woman though who responded to somebody posting it. So this mm-hmm. person I never met, um, and she's older than me. She, I forget what year she graduated, but it was like late seventies. And she, so I got to interview her, and she's been amazing. She's like, I, I found this stuff. I found, I found these flyers. I found. She just like was so. She's been so excited, and like also like helping me find people to talk to. Yeah. Um, but when we were talking, she's tell, she's telling me the stories. She was, she was telling her story 
in a way that I tell my story. Mm -hmm. So I've been interviewing all these folks and they have a lot of different associations with like language that was used or, um, you know, just how things kind of came about. There's coming the way they tell their coming out stories, the way Mm -hmm. they talk about their family, the way way they talk about dating. Um, and and there's a word wrecked that we used uh, back then and wrecked meant out. It meant coming out. So if the first, at the time, the first girl who kissed me was the girl who wrecked me. Oh, okay. (laughs) And it sounds a little negative, but it was not negative for me anyway. Sure. Um, and for the people I hung out with or like, Oh, is that, is is she out? Oh, she's wrecked for days. Like she, (laughs) is she one of us? She's wrecked for days. Or, you know, that's my boss. Don't wreck me in front of my boss. So it was used in all those ways. Um, and I, when I was interviewing people, people had different kind of takes on it. Some people, it was kind of more negative. Mm-hmm. Some people told me how they used it, but it was just slightly off of yeah. how I used it. I mean, it meant the same thing, but they're, you know, just kind of the way they described it. But this person, I was talking to her and everything she said, like everything that came out of her mouth was something I've said before in the way that I've said it. And I just started thinking about lineage yeah. and I thought about like, you came before me and you passed this down to people and it got directly to me. Yeah. And you know, all of her generation did that, but there was something like, I just felt this direct connection to her that was just so powerful. Like I've never met you before. Um, but what everything you kind of, I looked at her scrapbook, it was all the same kind of shit that I saved and not everybody had this kind of, it was just a, just an essence of how she archived things and how she talked about things that reminded me so much of myself. Oh. And it's interesting cause she's the one that got the, kind of has been the most excited about it and kind mm-hmm. of proactive and like, like trying to like just find like she's been doing research. She's oh, been yeah. basically doing research without me asking. She just got excited about it. So that that was that was kind of a healing thing. It was yeah. also just exciting to be to think about how things get passed. Like we think about our ancestors and mm-hmm. our and the people in our elders as being related mm-hmm. in you know, growing up. Maybe that's something we think about. And then as queers, yeah, we get to think about that in a whole different way. Oh yeah. Because our ancestors and our elders are people that maybe are not related to us Mm -hmm. biologically but Mm -hmm. they are yeah how we're here yes yeah and without them we wouldn't be here exactly oh so that that's been really special oh that's so nice oh i think also just um from a trans masculine perspective like uh from my own experience just feeling that appreciation for dyke culture as one part in my life somewhat being associated with it and then that kind of edging away from it where you know one either distance them themselves or mm-hmm. for a whole I know it's different for everyone and I think it's really cool to be able to to delve into that part of one's history mm-hmm. and explore that yeah it's it's that's always been an important part of my life like that's never been a part of my life that I wanted to turn away from yeah like ever yeah um, and I get I get why some people do because they never really that that there was kind of a holding place for mm-hmm. some people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. This yeah. makes the most sense. Right. And then they come out as as trans uh, masculine and realize like that was never it. This is it. Yeah. And for me, that was also it. Um, coming out as a dyke was also a big. That was me. Yeah. It was not just a holding ground. It was what got it. What helped me get to where I am. Yes. Yeah. Um, I proudly wear my Labrys tattoo that I'm wearing long sleeves. So I can't <laughs> show you, but <laughs> um, you know. But I, I kept it, and I, for me, it's just it's a part of who I am. It's part of my history, um, and it's exciting to be able to revisit um, yeah. a part that part that particular part of it. Oh yeah. Oh, 
yeah oh i'm just yeah so excited and it's just it's really inspiring so yeah thank you for for doing the work thank you yeah oh my goodness it makes me really happy when people are excited about it because it it just keeps me moving yeah and it's so important i think for for even the next generations too and our generations Mm -hmm. to have that sense of history and then also to create art and you know we're talking earlier about how difficult i mean i from an artist's perspective how difficult it can i know for for me um to either share my work or to ask for support for Mm -hmm. it or to ask for fundraising for it and even and then it's for me, it feels easy. I'm happy to like support if I'm able to. I would love. I love supporting queer, mm-hmm. queer folks and queer artists. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to me doing my own thing, it's a little bit more difficult for me to ask for help in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have had. It's, it's interesting. I'm I'm having a harder time now than I ever have. Before cr- uh, crowdsource fundraising existed, um, or I guess before it was like this official thing. Hold. Okay, cool. Um, before it was kind of more hmm, mainstream, um, I am I good to keep talking? Um, yeah, actually, let's take a quick music we'll break. Take music and then break. We will um, start up in a little bit. All right. Hello, hello. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it was Maturity. 
Miguel, hi. Hello. <laughs> nice little musical break there as we got a few technological, tec- technical, technical things here <laughs> working. I run out of, or I, I misuse words at various points during the show sometimes. I know what you're talking about. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about art and uh, creating art and getting folks to help support. Yeah. All that. Um, so the song we were just hearing is on my CD called Long Lost Sun. And that came out in 2010. Um, and so speaking of fundraising, um, you know, in some ways it was easier for me to do fundraising then. It was easier for me to ask for things, ask for mm-hmm. money. Um, I think the more we ask for things, you know, it kind of gets, you get a little like, oh, I'm on my next project. Do you want to help me pay for this now too? It feels, starts to feel redundant. I think people get a little fatigue, um, but I'm glad that platform exists before mm-hmm. the platform existed i kind of had my own little platform where i would yeah. email everybody i knew yeah and say hey you want to buy a cd early do you want to give a little extra yeah um if you give extra you'll also get a poster mm-hmm. um if you get you know or a, a t-shirt and so um people would um basically just like send me money they'd send me checks mm-hmm. i think that was that was it they would send me checks or they would give me money in person and that was how i funded my my cds cool um that and mm, credit cards but <laughs> but um and now like i feel like there's so many people in our communities right now who are kind of doing a lot of like crisis kind of triage yes. fundraising it's, yes yes and and to me like i don't feel like i want to take away from that yeah um yeah. you know it, it doesn't mean i won't ever do a crowdsource fundraising again mm-hmm. in fact with this one i am doing kind of a more of a soft pitch yeah. um i have a go fund or uh, go fund me account mm-hmm. or a go fund me page 
And so it's just kind of always there. Yeah. So, if, you know, occasionally I'll post something that says, hey, you know, we're still we're still collecting money if you want to help out. Um, but I'm more likely to be like, this person needs money for rent. This yes, person needs money yeah. to, you know, for, for medical. the medical. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that one has to exclude the other. I just feel like there's so many right. important things happening right now that um, I tend to not want to draw from that, yeah. away from that. So yeah. I've been trying to, well, one great thing is I got a grant um, awesome. for the initial Congratulations. piece of this. Thank you. So that helped me go to Albuquerque and that was mm-hmm. from the San Francisco Arts Commission. Okay. And um, that helped me to go and, and um, go to Albuquerque, hire a crew and um, film the initial interviews. Awesome. Um, and that was last September. Okay. So, um, so that's great. Now I just need money for her post-production and to go back, mm-hmm. um, to do some, so I need a couple pickup interviews and a lot of B-roll. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So if folks wanted to, um, help out or contribute or, or share the link, what would be a good place for them to go? Um, well, if you want to do that or find out more about the project yeah. or watch the trailer yes, too, yeah. um, uh, you can go to dykewhistle.com d-y-k-e whistle.com excellent or storm storm and that's floodest with a z f-l-o-r-e-z cool yeah and we'll post that again (laughs) as well for folks it's a great trailer too i remember watching that at the at the trans film uh fest and it was just the audience was just so that was so fun oh it's so (laughs) nice yeah oh yeah oh that's so good i i can relate a lot to to what you were saying in terms of wanting to support others. And then also it's hard not to feel, yeah, like it's hard to, oh, there's just so much happening. There's so much going on yeah, and there always yeah. has been so much going on. Yeah. And now I think we're really feeling it and, and seeing that and how, how do we as a community support each other knowing that so many people are in various forms of, of crisis. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and I think that uh, we just keep doing it. Like I definitely still, um, I'm all about supporting people's art projects yeah. me, um, in their, their crowdsource fundraising projects. Like it's, it's how we do it. The arts, we need it. Yeah. The, unfortunately we, we live in a, art. in a nation that doesn't seem to value, it seems to value jets more than arts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is really backwards. And the arts are healing. Yes. Um, yeah. So when we are going through crisis, when we are um, going through illness, when we are going through a housing crisis, like music, um, any kind of reflection, books, paintings, movies, all of it is yeah. like, that's the thing that I feel like keeps up for me. Yeah. Like keeps my spirit alive, keeps, keeps my soul kind of, yeah. you know, just like fed, even if I'm trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm luckily in a position where I'm not trying to feed myself, but like, you know, I just, I know that in times in my life when like I've been having the, the worst of times, like yeah. music has been the thing for me. Definitely. You know, that has kept me connected yes to my humanity and to you know my community yes and i think also having a, a queer uh, artist creating the work too and having a queer lens is so Absolutely. incredible i didn't even realize it until i see a film or a tv show or hear a songwriter has it that has a queer perspective or a trans perspective and it's like oh wow that's so much less problematic than like so much else that we were exposed to. If yeah. I can, if I can use those words, I feel like, you know, yeah. I mean, growing up, we were always just having to read into everything that, mm-hmm. was, that was hetero and white and, yeah. you know, still uh, the case now yes. for the most part. Yes. I feel like it's still, things are still pretty much hetero. And a lot of my heroes, hetero, white, you know, yeah. when I think about media, when I think about pop culture, when I think about like sci-fi. Yes. Um, because yeah. that, but luckily that is changing. Yes. Luckily we are getting more. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the more reason to keep on creating yeah. and to, and to have that and to inspire others to do the same. 
so then also you know you one sees someone else create that work and then it's like oh if this person's able to do this then i might also be able to oh, definitely oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> that makes me feel that's why i love the transgender film festival yeah and fresh meat festival fresh meat yeah, yeah there's oh i feel grateful to be living in a time when there are these events happening mm-hmm. and it's also nice to see people at like celebratory events um I mean, there's also, it's just, it's so difficult as a community to constantly be fighting and be in mourning and to have opportunities to see one another where we're celebrating something and we're, we're together. And I, I, I hope other folks listening can, can recognize that how important, it, how important it is. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it, it's still here. Like, I love that um, the Queer Arts Festival is still here in San Francisco and now in Oakland as well. Um, I love that the Peacock Rebellion exists. Oh, yeah. I love that um, Quack Map, the Queer, uh, the Quack Map Festival, um, the Queer Women of Color Film Festival exists in their programs. Um, so there's still, you know, as much as the everything is changing, um, we're still holding on. Yeah. And these organizations and ways of community building and community holding are still here. And I mean, that just, that also just like, it just means so much. And that, that it's, it is necessary to support these organizations. Yes. We need these organizations so badly. Yeah. Yeah. I would encourage folks. Um, if I, I feel like I'm often preaching to the choir. I feel like <laughs> yeah, most folks right. who listen to the show are already like, yeah, if I'm able to, I absolutely will. Yeah. Um, I just mean by should go into their yeah. events too. And just, yeah. you know, just keeping somehow connected to them, following them on Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and, um, not necessarily like if you don't have the money, you know, you know, there's volunteering, like showing oh, yeah. up in ways of just like staying connected. Cause there's so much there for us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also just to like bring a friend and bring someone new yeah, who yeah. might, you know, expose more folks to it, to the work as well. Oh, <laughs> it's really good talking with you. I was, um, this morning I was in a really rough mood. Uh, and it's, I always appreciate talking with, with folks like yourself on the show. It makes me feel a little bit more optimistic and hopeful, mm. um, in the world. Cause it's easy to feel alienated and isolated and without, yeah, without hope or yeah. it's I have to feel bogged down by so much of what's happening and yeah. then to recognize there are so many folks doing really incredible work and just even existing in the world is is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's why I mean I this is this is part of that we're talking about the arts like podcasts and like getting together and talking to other artists and artists like having these conversations. Um these are the things that keep us going. I feel like, you know, there are many things that keep us going. This is one of the most important to me is the arts. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I love talking to other artists and I love your work and I love the way that you are, bring your heart and your soul just out when you perform. Don't shake oh. your head and get all shy. It's real. <laughs> um, you should interview yourself someday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know what I, w- I don't know what I would find. Or just get, just get on here and, and read your work. Uh, have you, have you, have you read your work on the show? No, I mostly read news articles and then get angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of your work though. I've I seen you so. do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How to make your host I blush. I, oh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. It's, um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so, I mean, I feel like it's, I end up getting immersed in 
what's you know it's hard to draw the line between sometimes art and I mean I, I did stand-up comedy for a really long time and I did improv for a long time and I did storytelling and eventually I stopped doing comedy in a way because things weren't mostly that funny I guess I was just getting really yeah. angry about what and I could make jokes that were at the expense of you know cops and at, fill in the blank and at times it would make the audience very uncomfortable which I think is, is fine however in a comedy setting that's maybe not the most appropriate place for it, but I don't know. So it's, it's Well, it's interesting because when people punch down, that's where they get the laughs, right? Which is and so sad. That's so sad. It's like you're punching up and everybody gets all uncomfortable, whereas people punch down all the time in comedy. That's what so many people's comedy is based on, yeah. is them punching down yeah. um, and, and say, you know, perpetuating really like hard, like dangerous, um, hurtful, harmful, like stereotypes and, um, making light of people's actual lived experiences, um, who are really actually struggling. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what gets the laughs. Yeah. And that's what's so sad that to hear that like punching up is what makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's like how it should be. I mean, that's right? like, it's like the, of the few things that we can do, it's one of the quote unquote safer ways that we can at least express ourselves or try to fight back. And I think about that in community as well. When I mean, there's the, the saying that all violence is state violence. And then I think about how that kind of manifests in community and we end up taking things out on each other that are things that have been done to us. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of us don't have the opportunity to like, oh, we are either harassed by a police officer or there's a horrible policy on the books or discrimination in housing or jobs. And there's so many ways in which by existing in this culture, it's we, a lot of us bear the brunt of it. And mm-hmm. then who do we take that anger out on? And we end up taking it out on ourselves or each other yeah. instead of the folks who are actually doing it. So I feel like with comedy, at least it's like one way, at least I'll make a joke that no one's even going to hear. <laughs> However, I feel like it's, it's the least that I think folks can do in some ways to try to punch back up and to try to use that energy more in a way that's deflecting from from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Real. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, how to how to manifest that and craft that as a as a piece yeah. to share with folks is something I guess I'm, I will leave to cook a little bit. And yes, indeed. See how that. And I've heard also from comedians, um, that they are not interested in, in doing comedy because of that, the scene, oh. because of the scene and because <gasps> there is so much punching down and because there is so much like, can't you take a joke? And oh. anytime you, you know, point out somebody doing something that's harmful, saying yes. something that's harmful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I really, I, comedy is, so, it's one of those things. Anytime I hear there's a comedian, I, I get, I'm like, okay, let's see. Like I just, I don't expect good. And it's yes. always wonderfully surprising when somebody is really funny and not um, punching down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think so often then it's like folks who are truthful and personal, and then it can also be folks making fun of themselves, which I feel can be difficult because it's like, oh, that shouldn't be, you know, like you're perfect as you are. When does it need to make jokes about that? However, I understand that's a thing that some folks do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, with that. And I agree with the comedy. I mean, the comedy scene, I did it, like I started off in my, like my last year of of college in, so I was like 19 or 20, 21. I don't remember. It was, I was young. And I did that for a number of years and I did that in my twenties. And then now I'm in my, now I'm in my late thirties. And when I moved back here to the Bay, I tried to do it again and I felt I mean part of it was like an age thing like I was about 10 years older than some folks and mm-hmm. then also it just felt 
I, I felt uncomfortable. And I, I mean, there's some really friendly folks I met and some really talented people I met. And at the same time, I felt it was difficult to be in that setting and to hear a lot of harmful, yeah, harmful material. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't have that. I just, I would rather, even if that means like taking myself out of the situation and out of the equation, so be it. If that means I don't have to hear certain things that are so problematic and so hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. So I do appreciate there are so like brouhaha is doing some great work around that where they're, they're doing comedy that punches up like very intentionally. Yes. And they're hella, a lot of those, those comedians are hella funny. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely think there's, you know, and that's, what's great about being connected to queer folks, queer folks of color who are actively trying to dismantle systems of oppression. Yeah. Um, that, we get to be creative and celebrate each other um, in being creative in new ways and and trying to do things differently than yeah. how they've traditionally been done. Definitely. I mean, it's like creating, I mean, another thing about art is just like creating the world that we want to live in. Absolutely. And everything else can just crumble since it can't sustain <laughs> itself anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally get that. And I'm glad you brought up Ruhaha. The, the show last year was great. Mm-hmm. It was just so... Yeah, it's, it's it's so nice also because I've had similar feelings about seeing comedians and having either really low expectations or preparing to guard myself or choosing a seat by the door in case I need to walk out. Yeah, because I'm I'm pretty non-confrontational and I'm also very sensitive and those don't have to be bad things. And I also sometimes end up removing myself from a situation instead of I can, if I can maybe talk with someone afterwards that might be an option. And I also don't want to have to be make everything a teaching moment. Yeah, yeah. We need to, like, I feel like there needs to be, like, a new kind of, like, culture of heckling that is <laughs> punching up, you yeah. know, when comedians um, yeah. use racist or sexist or homophobic, transphobic yeah. classes, you know, oh. classes, ableist material, mm-hmm. that there's, like, this, like, a, like, because heckling has always been a part of comedy, and comedians are supposed to kind of prepare themselves for yes. that, right? But, yeah. But in a way, they're supposed to punch back, so, when when they're heckled, or, you know, in a, in a smart way, but... um but yeah, I think it would be, it would, you know, just create a whole new, just like yeah. new. Yeah. You don't know, get to do that. I was watching um, this show. I don't really want to give it any press, but I was watching a show. Okay. Um, where this comedian is, is just bombing and, you know, starts like just like getting, starts like hedging on racism and people in the Ugh. crowd just shut her down. They're mm-hmm. like, nope. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, ha ha. You know, we get it. We get what you're saying move on and it's just like the worst act she's ever done mm-hmm. and she's like trying to kind of riff and improv and like lesson learned you know and and she gets she gets you know of course it's a woman like you don't you're not gonna see that happen to men probably but um but yeah like i would like to see that yeah that's a great <laughs> like idea that happen that would be wonderful or i mean even the just idea like of those things falling flat yeah i mean like why explain to me how that is funny like mm-hmm. explain to me your joke why is that funny where is the humor in that mm-hmm or where is the truth in that? Because mm-hmm. so often it's just comes from out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we can take another music break. Um, I don't know. How, um, how are you on time? It's I'm good. good. I think that's okay. what time is it. I have to be, I think I have to be out of here. But oh, how funny. Someone is, um, my friend Tina Quack. Uh-huh. Just texted me. So good to hear your voice. You're rocking the interview. So proud of you. So Tina. Hi, Tina. Tina's um, one of the folks who um, I interviewed, Uh who lives here now. 
sorry, I just gave away all your information, oh. Tina. Um, <laughs> so Tina is one of the people though, who was kind of like came up before me and like, was like kind of mentored me, um, when I was young. And so I just got oh. like, yeah, so it's so sweet. You're going to be in the film. You already signed consent so I can say your name. <laughs> but yeah, no, Tina's, um, yeah, Tina's one of the, oh, Tina could do the dike whistle really well. And I haven't done the dike whistle oh, cool. I don't, on the air. I could try. I don't yeah. Know oh, absolutely. Oh, I'd be honored. Okay. So the dike whistle is, what's great about the dike whistle is it's hard to learn. Mm-hmm. So it, it became kind of a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to hear yeah. unless you're listening for it. So if I was like outside and somebody was walking by, and I did the dike whistle and they weren't they wouldn't hear they probably wouldn't notice yeah right but if you're listening or your ears kind of trained to it yeah you notice so um this is the whistle were you able to hear that on your headphones oh yeah yeah okay so it's very high-pitched sound so so is it kind of like sucking in it's a like little sucking bit? in for me I do kind of an underbite people have different ways and you like purse your lips really close together and practice, 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 practice. I practiced for so long. It was so oh, important man. to me to learn the whistle when I learned it. It must felt so good when you when you finally got it. I did. All everybody just thought I was annoying. I was like, you guys, you guys look, I could do it, I could do it. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever, kid. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I just love that Tina is listening. I love you, Tina. And um, yeah, I guess let's listen to some music. We're having uh, having uh, having taking a, a moment here just to get this all up and running. I'm oh. being live tweeted by by Tina though. Oh yeah. Oh, love you too, says Tina. Do you want oh. to say anything to to the <laughs> the listeners, Tina? <laughs> yeah, we also have phone lines that are open. Oh, phone lines. I'm just getting the, the whole text oh. here. Yeah. Now dot dot dot. Yeah, we have phone lines at uh, 415-550-0511, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio. And you can support the show. We've got a, uh, since, while we're speaking of supporting artists, you can uh, support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash weekly rev. Um, uh, anything from a dollar a month on would be up, would be very much appreciated. And or just spreading the word is very helpful. And we are having a little bit of difficulty with... Uh, uh, um, the tech stuff. However, we do have the soundtrack, the awesome soundtrack to Major, so um, we can play some Star Amarasu for awesome. everyone while we get settled. Tina says my whistle just got her, her geriatric cat's attention. <laughs>
actually going to leave this on in a little bit in the background because I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> we have our own soundtrack now. Yeah, so again, this is from uh, Major, which is an incredible documentary. And where can folks uh, see that? Well, at this point, um, it's not being, it's not, um, hasn't been released, I, I guess. Um, so, but there is a program called Major to the People, mm-hmm. which um, folks who are working in community, folks who are um, in organizations that are serving um, trans or that are, you know, centering, really centering trans folks, especially mm-hmm. trans women of color, um, or, you know, having events that are supporting those groups or want to bring groups together, um, it's better worded on the website. But missmajorfilm.com, if you go to missmajorfilm.com, um, Major to the People will help get folks access to see the film so like if somebody wants to do a showing Mm -hmm. um if they can answer the questions there again it needs to center the audience the people who get to see it Mm -hmm. who have access to it um needs to center queer and trans folks of color Mm -hmm. um in some way and it's again better worded on the website then folks can have access to the film that way so that's our way of making sure that folks have access in the meantime to we're trying to figure out kind of like what's what's the next step in distribution yeah cool yeah saying it's just really it's just really really it's really good, and it makes me really happy. And also, just I'm going to um, start Amorasu, like the music too is just so every every piece of it is just so beautiful. Oh my god, it's so amazing working with Star. Um, we are working on an actual soundtrack, and it's just been taking a while, and we have to kind of do a remix of it and mm-hmm. and get it mastered. So once that is done, it will be released. Um, what you just heard was kind of a unofficial release. Oh, okay. um, that's kind of not quite mixed. It's not quite where oh, we, but, you know, you got I think a little... it sounds great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, there, it will actually be released sometime. Hopefully this, it has to be this year. Okay. Nice. I'm saying it this Yay. year. <laughs> Excellent. And well, you're welcome to come back on the show too. And feel oh, free to invite have star. star on the yes. show for oh. that. Yeah. Oh. And um, it was great. Cause um, LD also known as Laura Dean over at, well, Used to be at Women's Audio Mission, and then was at Broken Radio, um, did the mixing on that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really fun. We, we were all in the studio together. Annalise was there. So it was, um, and Star. And Star was, you know, just kind of like, there were some tunes that she came to us and said, how about this, how about this? And then we went in the studio and kind of just like expanded on them. Um, and... It was really fun. It was really fun. And mixing is always a bl- I, I enjoy the mixing process of, of a recording personally. So that, that was really fun. Nice. I don't know too much about the mixing process. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not the engineer in that, but more of in a, on a producer role, just basically, you know, there's the kind of orig- initial mix that just gets everything, all the levels right and everything kind mm-hmm. of together. And then there's the creative part where, we while we were working on it, there was like another riff that maybe I heard her do somewhere else, and I was like, "Bring that into this, you know, to this thing." It might sound not sound like I know it wasn't meant for this song, but it's it's gonna make sense in this song. So yeah. it's like kind of just like adding and embe- embellishing um, the recordings. Okay, um, you know, throwing in some reverb, having an echo there, um, and. You know, I don't know all the technical jargon for mixing, even though I'm a musician. It's funny, I ended up doing video editing is the thing that I uh, do, try to do for a living. But um, 
but when I'm working with a professional mixer, they usually know what I'm talking about <laughs> when cool. I'm telling them I want to hear something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm excited about that. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I appreciate music and musicians. And yeah, I don't have more to say about that, but just I'm, yeah, grateful. And it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's fun to, to do music different. Like, it was really fun to, to work as a kind of producer on the um the music aspect of this film um we you know like i said annalise worked initially talked to star about the project and they spoke together about how to you know what annalise was looking for Mm -hmm. and then to get to be in the studio with them both and co-produce the the um the score yeah was really it, it was it was different for me because I've always been the musician I've always been the person recording mm-hmm. um and some of my music I do play some guitar on the soundtrack but um it's it's just a different place and it's really fun to be kind of looking at it as more of a producer than the musician oh yeah um yeah. I always kind of identified as a musician and mm-hmm. saw myself as always doing music and since I've been doing film, I've been a, I never thought I would say it, but I've been less interested mm-hmm. um, in playing and performing, um, which I never imagined would yeah. ever, ever happen. If you would have told me that, I would have been like, kill me now. Um, but it actually, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, that part of my identity is no longer as big as the other parts. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, but it really was, I felt like it was my life force, and music is still my life force in yes. a lot of ways, but it's just, I don't need to be performing it now as much. Like I don't, I'm just, I notice I'm not feeling it as much. Um, I love being on stage. I love performing. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's more kind of the preparation for it. And like, I just am not in the place of putting a lot of time and energy into that. So, um, but, and it hasn't, it's been kind of nice not to, to think about it and to get to focus on other things. I hear that. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I think also as a performer, like there's a different elements that yeah. one can show up in, in a way where, um, I can, I guess I can relate to that in terms of being an actor where, mm-hmm. uh, either like writing for, I've done some, I guess, st- storytelling or monologues and I've done pieces where I've written for myself and then it's different when I've performed a piece that someone else wrote and that's really cool too. I can mm-hmm. throw myself into that yeah. and feel connected to it in a different way and I mm-hmm. really appreciate that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I like that about editing. Like I like, um, I've been editing a lot of my own stuff and, um, I've been, I haven't edited someone else's creative project yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something I really want to do, like a narrative project. Oh yeah. Um, I was given the opportunity by Maria bro, who's a wonderful local filmmaker. Um, and I was just in the middle of too much and couldn't, and didn't actually end up having the time to do it, which made me so sad. Um, but it is something I really would like to do is, is edit somebody else's narrative mm. film. Oh yeah. That sounds great. And it's like, I mean, it's awesome too, just to be able to like work with other folks and to have that kind of lens where I think working on one's own, it's difficult to step away from it because mm-hmm. it's, there's always that are, there's often that comparison of an artistic work to being like a, a baby quote mm-hmm. unquote and just feeling very protective of it and like oh I, I, I love it dearly and I want to put it out in the world and I'm also just afraid of criticism or however people might look at it and so it's nice to be able to work with folks who can kind of take care of it in a way yeah. <laughs> and, it's so funny because you know. I cannot at this point I cannot imagine directing a piece and having someone else edit it even mm-hmm. though that's how it's always done like mm-hmm. I just I have not like there's so there's I guess I've directed 
the movie I'm directing now and then my music video. Um, I've been to Manhattan Ooh. and I, um, I can't, I, I like, I've directed them both and I can't like, I'll be editing the whistle probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I say probably because you never know, but I have every intention of editing the whistle and I edited, I've been to Manhattan and I, I just have a hard time imagining someone else editing them. Yes. And at some point I'm, if I'm going to make, continue to make films, um, editing is the thing I know I'll continue to do, but if I'm going to continue to direct and make films and I have some ideas for future films, I'm going to have to let go of yeah. that control and let somebody else edit. Like it's just going to have yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. I've been working on a book for, oh, for years now, like on and off. And, um, thankfully I've, you know, met some folks who have take, taken looks at like different chapters of it and it still feels so, and maybe because it is, you know, autobiographical, that's so difficult to like let someone in on that, on that piece for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oof, oof, oof. <laughs> yet it's, you know, when I either read a book or see a film or hear music and I'm, I recognize that so many people are involved in that creative process. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate, I read a lot of biographies and autobiographies and of of artists of various sorts. And it's always really cool to see the number of people who influence one another and who work with one another yeah. to create. I read uh, Grace Jones's autobiography last year. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it's so cool just seeing how many people that, that she worked with and how many people yeah. influenced her and, and just going from like one, I mean, a pretty incredible career. And then also just seeing how people kind of worked off each other in a way too, just to create like just amazing. Just, just, there's yeah. It's so much amazing work out there. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. it is, there's so many brilliant people involved mm-hmm. and um, it's been, that's, I love that about filmmaking. I get to work with so many brilliant people yeah. um, as a musician. I got to work with brilliant people, but not as many because mm-hmm. I was playing. So, I mean, I played in a band years ago, but I was playing solo yeah. recording was just me and one other person usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a filmmaker, yeah, I mean, you have, you know, people that are sh- shooting, like I'm not a filmer. I don't, I'm not a shooter. I don't like, I don't like to operate a camera mm-hmm. unless it's my iPhone, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, but like, you know, working with the folks in pre-production and post-production and production, like there are so many people and people are so generous and so wonderful. Like I've, you know, definitely like been hiring folks because I want to make sure they get paid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's never what they're worth. And people are just like really excited to um, to be involved in projects. Oh, you know? yeah. And so that's that's really and they're brilliant. Like, I'm like, wow, you're really wonderful and brilliant. And you're going to work on my film. Yay. Yeah. It's excited. Oh yeah. It's, How lucky I mean, am I? Yeah. it's always an, an honor to be involved with, with productions like that. And also, um, that noticing like the difference between like theater, which has its merits and I love, and then also doing film and TV production and just seeing how many people are involved with, mm-hmm. the, with the crew. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so many people working together to make one, one product and like how beautiful that can be when it, you know, when it goes well. Yeah. And there's always, of course, there can be miscommunication and all sorts of things that go in. And then there's also the end product and, you know, who's, who's making what and, and all that. However, just, I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed to be, if I'm on set and to see how many people are there, what's happening, how many takes to, and that's even just in the, in the production process, not mm-hmm. including the writing beforehand yeah. or the post-production after, but then to get from one point to the next, next and just imagine like hundreds of people sometimes to create this one thing that yeah. then, sometimes millions of people get to enjoy and yeah. like how, how cool. And that's like the best of what it, what things can be with the collaborative creative process. Absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> it's fun. 
Yeah, it's it's nice. I, I enjoy kind of. I feel like I'm gonna get into astrology for a moment. Oh yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> my south node is in Leo, and my north node okay. is in Aquarius. Okay. What does it mean? Well, south node is apparently like kind of where you're coming from. Okay. Karmically, and where you're going to karmically is. Your North Node. Okay. That's the best way I can describe it. Okay. My South Node is in Neo, Leo. It's, it's kind of okay. where I came from. And I came from this place of like, I am going to perform and mm-hmm. I'm going to be on stage and look at me, look at me. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like in this Aquarius place of just like, look at the world. There's so many great things like out here. Uh-huh. And so like focusing, not to say that I still don't have myself involved. Like I'm going to be in this film that I'm working on. Like, you know, I'm still like, I do some acting. Mm-hmm. I definitely, but it's just, it's not, it's not where I've kind of, and it's surprising. It's not what I would have expected in my yeah. life, but I'm going more toward a place of collaboration and pointing, kind of point, putting the focus on other people yeah. and um, kind of being more behind the scenes. Like as an editor, like behind, <laughs> like my job is to look like I'm not there. My job is to yeah. like make my work not noticeable. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. It's an interesting kind of trajectory that I never would have imagined my life to take I guess I just think I always imagine myself on stage oh yeah I I hear that and totally relate and often I mean I hear it thinking about like actors who become directors and and that that kind of move towards what folks really feel called to do and then Mm -hmm. also like learning from experience and recognizing And also as we grow as, as humans and evolve and we're not thankfully like not the same people that we were weeks and months and years right. ago. Think, I mean, I think about that all the time. Like, thank goodness I'm not the same person I was a year ago. And hopefully there'll be more time to continue to grow and to learn yeah. and to experiment and to be a different person and I'm try different that. things and work with more different people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's that ideally that would be the, the default is to just to live as many different types of lives as possible and just to continue to, to change. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, time check. I am sadly going to need to run. Oh, okay. Well, um, I'll, um, put up some music here. Thank you. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for being here. It's really a pleasure. Ooh, it's always a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure to see your work. It's a pleasure to hear your work and just to be here in person in conversation. Thanks Roman. It's so wonderful oh. to see you and be in practice this, like be in the same room with you, having a conversation and having to getting to share that with so many other folks. Definitely. So I am, um, I really appreciate everyone who's listening and I really appreciate you Roman so much for creating this platform and holding this space for us to get to share share art it's my pleasure um yeah so i'll post some links about um the whistle and for folks to to find more information about that will and folks be able to listen to this later yes absolutely it'll be available on mutinyradio.fm in a few hours it'll be uploaded and um and we'll also be posting that link on Facebook. I know Facebook's kind of evil. However, we work with what we got. It's, yeah. So we'll post the link. You can also find it at mutinyradio.fm. Under the podcast section, there's an archive for the show. And this will come up in a few hours. And you'll be able to listen. We're also available on iTunes for the show as well. So here's a song I'm going to play called Love in A Minor. That's right. Yeah, cool. All right. So we'll be back in a bit. Thanks again for being here, Storm Miguel. Thank you so much. Tried to write a pretty song for my lady. I tried to write a pretty song for you. Damn it all to hell. You make me hell. 
See, I may only know myself since I sing to only those who may cry.
Thank you so much for listening in. That was Stormy Gale Flores and that whoo, was song was called Home Burial. And this was all from the album Long Lost Sun. Uh, thanks again to Stormy Gale Flores for being here. Uh, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting medium doing radio. I, I I'm an anxious person. I sometimes get stressed as as most folks do i would imagine especially these days there's an increase in things to be anxious about and it's difficult to sometimes share that over the over the air if folks can't quite see what's happening uh, it's difficult to communicate and in some ways i'm a little bit grateful for that and i'm grateful for connection and i'm a lot calmer than i was this morning I'm in better spirits than I was this morning, had a rough morning, dealing with some insomnia and a few other uh, issues that come with living under capitalism and wanting to survive and be a kind and generous person and how difficult that can be when the system that we, we live under doesn't honor truth or kindness or generosity. 
and people in positions of power tend to hurt us and want to convince us to hurt each other. It's really difficult to to survive sometimes. So I'm really grateful, putting the word out, just saying very grateful for some folks in my life and too many people to name. And also just very grateful for people looking out for each other. It's much appreciated. Often on the show, I go over news stories and there are some pretty horrendous news stories that are coming out. And a lot of it I found more recently too, ugh, is that a lot of the behavior that's been around, it's this is kind of giving permission for it. And this by meaning the current administration. They're giving the past to white supremacy. They're giving the past to homophobia and transphobia and misogyny and classism and xenophobia and anti-Muslim rhetoric and so much fucking horrible shit that was already existing in the world. And these folks in positions of power who want to separate us even more than before really are harnessing that and wanting to increase its followers, the followers to continue on with that behavior and how problematic that is and have that go into academics and workplaces and healthcare and how it in housing. And it's just interfering with everything and got these fucking ice raids and I fucking, and I'm the, the ice they're They're behaving like Gestapo and for people not to see that is really problematic. They are rounding people up. They're sending people to solitary. They're breaking up families they're going after people who haven't hurt anybody. Meanwhile, people who are hurting people, like cops, for instance, like certain politicians, these folks are allowed to wield power. Oh, I'm in a bad mood again. Oh, no. But my point is, is that a lot of this misbehavior and this fucked up, this, these, this behavior is happening before this recent election. And if... Of course, we can't go back in time. I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of this was set up in a way. It's not like a lot of this behavior is just is suddenly here. It's been growing and it's been here for a, a long time. And one thing in particular, there's so many things to be upset about. So many things. It's hard to, it's hard. To, what's the, the catchphrase for one of those food products? You can't eat just one. I can't be upset about just one thing that's coming down the pipeline. One thing in particular is that now they want to make it so oh, if you're in the medical profession, it's okay to be a bigot. And it's this very like anti-abortion and anti-trans framework where if you don't think someone should be able to get reproductive health care or a trans person should get health care, then for some reason the government will defend, defend these folks. And as fucking sickening as that is, there already have been people <laughs> in this country behaving that way. And how many millions of people, and perhaps I'm exaggerating, but really though, how many millions of people die under capitalism every fucking year when we think about it, when we think about wars, when we think about poverty and violence by the state, people being evicted from their homes, people not being able to afford health care or make a living wage. When we think about that, people hoarding resources, <sighs> Countries getting bombed, people being sent to prison, people's family members being sent to prison. Whew. Okay. This has been going on since pre-2016. So now we're seeing an increase in it. And it's really crucial that, as I totally despise this administration and folks who are a part of it, and also recognizing it's the system that's in place that's been growing for a long time. There's been problematic behavior with Democratic presidents. 
So I hope folks who are really angry and enraged also recognize that a lot of this is nothing new. Yes, we are seeing an increase in hate crime attacks and there are hate crime attacks before. And by not putting a stop to it or changing things, this is why we're at where we're at right now. People let people didn't get upset with Obama with the the deportations and the drone strikes. Many people did, not everyone. In the eighties with Reagan and the terrible there's so many terrible things that happened. Where to even start? Lack of human decency. Thinking in particular of folks in mental health facilities who are put out on the street. And then now folks complain about people who are unhoused without really looking at the history of it and why people are where they're at. And this just this constant victim blaming and even using the word victim or just blaming people who are in a situation that's there because of the state. And how much money is spent on fucking military jets and fucking bombs and weapons. It could be spent on so much else. I mean, I, the, the possibilities are endless if one were to take a part of the, the military budget. And then how could we do that even locally? And there's a lot of folks in Oakland who are working to get the military budget, like get the budget out of the OPD and have that go back into the neighborhoods. Why should money go to people who hurt people? It's kind of a rhetorical question. We know that certain people stay in power that way. <sighs> okay. <sighs> Do you want to say some positive things? I'm angry, and I also, I'd rather be angry than totally numb. Because if I'm numb, then nothing's, there's nothing there. The Anti-Police Terror Project, grateful for all the folks involved with this organization. There is a 96 hours of non-compliance and a lot of really great events that happened this past weekend. Folks camped outside Libby Schaff's house, the mayor of Oakland. The mayor had said at one point that, oh, well, since there's a lot of unhoused folks in Oakland, she says, oh, everyone should just take people in. And so then folks showed up to her house and were like, why don't you do that? And apparently she wasn't home. Her husband came out. And uh, I really appreciate direct action and the folks who, who do that. And <sighs> folks were also being threatened uh, since California is known as a sanctuary state. And there's um, sanctuary cities here. And there's some talk of the administration threatening to arrest the mayors of sanctuary cities. Ugh. And a friend commented, um, and as, as repulsive as this entire administration is, a friend commented, well, you know what? People have been putting their, their bodies on the line for a long time. Isn't it time that the elected officials did the same? And I have to agree. <sighs> so, oh, I want to find some useful information to read. I know we've got a little bit of time left here. And I'm going to end on a, another song by Storm Miguel. Also open up the show with a couple songs by the Cranberries. I know it's a bit mainstream for the show. I play, I play mainstream music sometimes, so that's okay. Um, the, the lead singer passed away recently. And I, was a, I went through a big Cranberries phase in my sophomore year of high school back in the 90s. In 1995, it was a different time then. And the, the album No Need to Argue, I believe their second album, I was really into. Then they had an album out after that, their third album, which I actually bought the day it came out back in the day. 
before you could just get music instantly. You had to go to the record store and, and purchase it. And it was a song called Salvation that was about warning warning listeners against uh, drug use or drug abuse, perhaps. And it was a, it was a good song. <sighs> so we are hearing reports of the ice raids coming. And there's been some information out about how to get the word out and how for folks to protect themselves. And I'm looking for, looking down the list of a few things that folks can can do. In the meantime, I'm going to promote a an event that's coming up on February 11th, a Sunday, at Soljet Sukan at 103 International Boulevard in Oakland. There's a bystander intervention training Um hosted by Surge, um, so folks can check that out. And that is from 1.15 to 4 p.m., again, on Sunday, February, 20, February 11th. And the details, we've all, been, we've all been there. Someone in a public space says or does something to another person that makes us feel uncomfortable or even scared for that other person. Learn how to intervene in those situations, including tactics from de-escalation strategies to some basic self-defense and as far as accessibility information, the training will be held on the ground floor and will be accessible to folks who are mobility impaired. Um, and they do mention that the bathroom is old and tight, so not accessible for folks with wheelchairs. Um, it's scent-free soap will be provided in the bathroom. So again, this training is happening on Sunday, February 11th from 1.15 to 4 p.m. at 103 International Boulevard in Oakland. So that's another way folks can take action is if you're able to um, come out, take part. Another uh, quick headline, activists call for boycott of Philly's Philly Women's March over collaboration with police. You shouldn't collaborate with police. They're not our friends. Another article in The Intercept, private prisons, private, private prison continues to send ICE detainees to solitary confinement for refusing voluntary labor. <sighs> Mm. very very frustrating and disheartening and pretty terrible okay um another another article and it's going down folks want to check it out at it's going down.org first incarcerated worker industrial union branch forming so that's cool much love to iww um uh Moving down, also, there's petitions on Amnesty International, of course, to release the 16-year-old Palestinian activist ahead to Mimi, so you can check that out. It's, there's lots of news about that as well to support <sighs> to support Ahed and her family. Uh, there was the uh, article headline I just read. Moving down, we're getting there. Uh, coming up next will be Women's Magazine with Global Val, so please do stay tuned for that. And um, uh, after that's Common Thread Collective. So one uh, small bit of information, I shouldn't say small, one piece of information here. Uh, if you witness an ice raid, film it, upload it to the cloud or social media, or send it to a friend immediately or as soon as possible in case ICE at agents attempt to force you to destroy it. A live stream is also good if you have the capability. If ICE requests that you, that you let them into your apartment building, don't. 
If ICE says they have a warrant, ask them to slip it underneath the door, ensure it's signed by a real judge, and that it specifically names a person who resides in the building. If it's just an administrative warrant, not signed by a judge, it's toothless. If you live or work with undocumented people, print out some of these cards, and they have a link at ilrc.org forward slash red dash cards. And I'm going to share this right now on the Weekly Review webpage so folks can... Uh, print out this information or copy down this information or share this information. Um, so you can print out these cards in their native language and distribute them. Give undocumented friends extra so they can share them with their family and friends. And thank you to Yossi for posting this information as well. And also the CA Justice app will automatically send footage directly to the ACLU. So I know the ACLU it's, has its issues and also they also do provide this service uh, where you can record the cops and or law enforcement doing problematic things and it will upload directly to them. So and that's the CA Justice app as well. Whew. Okay. So now that's 151. Uh, I think it's about, oh, ah. Okay, well, this is coming up before the next show. So one more, one more event coming up and then we'll be uh, logging off for today. There's a noise demo against racial terror at Whole Foods. Whole Foods is problematic in so many ways. The way they treat their workers is a big one. And also the security guards are really problematic. And just the fact, it's just fucking gross. So January 23rd, which is a Tuesday, um, from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Whole Foods Market in Oakland at 2.30 Bay Plaza, there's going to be a noise demo against racial terror. And the details of this are Whole Foods has been attacking folks of color within the last in the past two years, going as far as attacking and racially profiling two black men and a young black teenager in recent reports. Their gentrifying organization must be held accountable for the threat they have posed to our community. And it's time that we make some noise to show resistance and intolerance to racial terror on any and all fronts. Join us next Tuesday, January 23rd, from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. as we hold a noise demo in front of the store to demonstrate our intolerance for racism in our communities. Please bring any safe objects you have to make noise, signs, and bright, and bright spirits as we show up for the folks who were affected and targeted by this racist institution. It is imperative that we address racism on all fronts in our communities, especially in recent light of honoring King's legacy and the path he has helped to pave with his work. We have to continue to take to the streets every day and address issues as we have seen them rather than depending on others to do the work first. So again, this is Tuesday, January 23rd from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the Whole Foods at 2.30 Bay Place uh, in Oakland. And you can direct all questions, comments, or concerns to um, WASS. Uh, G-O-O-D Lucy at gmail.com that's was good Lucy and that's W-A-S-S G-O-O-D L-U-C-Y at gmail.com hope to see you all there love and solidarity and again there is this uh, there's a Facebook invite and I'm going to share it right now on the weekly review webpage so folks can uh, check that out as well um, come by if you're able share the event if you're able invite people and also I imagine this is systemic so there's similar behavior to other whole foods as well so if you're in another city that's experienced this um let's share information and yes spread the word okay so i'm gonna post this momentarily and then i'm gonna finish off with a song um by storm miguel that storm miguel mentioned and I've been to Manhattan. I personally love Manhattan, and it's one of my favorite places in the world. 
I've, I haven't been to that many places in the world, so that doesn't say much. However, I love it. And just sending lots of love to, to folks in New York, uh, brave in the cold and, uh, Stay tuned because Women's Magazine's coming up next. Thanks again for listening to the Weekly Review, and we'll be back next week. Feeling fine, Manhattan. Ready to make my mark. So, well, I'm fine.